Um, would you just turn to someone and, and answer this question to the best of your ability, okay? All right. Why Living Grace? That's the name of our church, by the way, if you're visiting me. But living Grace. Why? Because Grace is living? No, no. Why, why Living Grace? Go ahead. And, and give someone your best answer to that. <clears throat> Okay, that's good. That's good. Some of you are giving essay answers. That's fine. That's fine. We're okay with that. Uh, and and so, so over the next uh, two weeks, uh, we're going to be talking about that question. And we're going to be answering, why living grace? I mean, what's the point? Why do we come here uh, once a week, gather together? Why do we come to this place? And why do we meet throughout the week at different kinds of groups, light groups, um, men's groups, ladies' groups, youth group? Why do we do that? Why do we, why do we come here? What is the point? What is, what is, uh, what is living grace um, all about? And so today I'm going to kind of give you a, a broad backdrop and then over the next two weeks, next week, Pastor Jonathan is going to share on what it means to do life together. And then on March the 6th, we're going to kind of tie it all in and speak a little more about kind of where we're headed. All right. So let's all stand and let's get into God's word this morning and pray and and help ask God's mercy and grace to answer that question. Uh, Lord Jesus, um, we know that you um, are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and, and no, you're not a king if you don't have subjects. And Lord, we are your subjects. We're your servants in your kingdom. We are your people. We are your citizens. And Lord, you have called us to be together in fellowship, in, in, in community, in unity. And so, Jesus, you said that if we agree uh, on anything, um, if we come together and say, yeah, amen, in the name of Jesus, that those things will be done for us. And so, Lord, the things that we have on our hearts, uh, we want to be in agreement this morning, and that, God, you would speak to our hearts about what it means to follow you and worship you and uh, to be a part of uh, this church body and the overall body of Christ. And so we love you, we thank you, we give you all the praise and all the honor, and thank you for just a wonderful time of corporate worship this morning as we seek your face together. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, give someone a high five and have a seat if you would. <clears throat> all right. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> How about them running rebels last night? Don't know if you all saw the game. Um, yeah, it was amazing. There's no way should they have won, but they did, you know. Stranger things have happened. We'll take it. We'll take it. Anytime you beat the evil empire, Reno, we will take it. The evil empire, Reno, boo, you cannot lose. Whatever you do, you do not lose to Reno. Um, okay, let me tell you, the, let me give you the biblical mandate. Here's, here's the admonition from the word of God on why the church exists. And we believe uh, why, we, uh, why we exist. Matthew chapter 22, if you want to turn your Bibles there, have it up on the screens as well. So there's a lawyer who's trying to set up Jesus. And you know that, that they did this all the time. They tried to trap Jesus by their questions. And of course, they were never able to do that. And at one point, they just kind of stopped because they said, this is not working. But he's, uh, he's asking him about uh, what the greatest commandment is. And, and his motive for asking him is because if, if Jesus says, this is the most important 
second commandment, then they can accuse him of not giving proper weight to the other commandments, all right? And so keep that in mind and also know that the religious leaders of the, in the days of Jesus had tacked on 613 commandments uh, onto the Ten Commandments. So that sounds like man, right? God gives 10 commandments and we add on 613. All right. And so when I mean, if you would have asked them, I mean, I think a, 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 one could answer, well, what do you think the biggest commandment is? Because after all, you've got 10 and then you've got another 613 on top of that. Well, that's the context. Verse 37 says, Jesus replied to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Amplified Bible says that is unselfishly seek the best or higher good for others. The whole law and the writings of the prophets depend on these two commandments. And so Jesus breaks it down to the very essence of the Ten Commandments the very essence of the law of God. In fact, he goes on to say that you have the Ten Commandments and he says that, that, that I'll give you the one word that's, that, that sort of encapsulate, encapsulates all of the law, Moses, and all of the prophets, Elijah, Ezekiel. So you have 10 that were given to you, but I'm going to summarize it even further than that and give you one word that's the most important word. Now, now they're thinking he's going to say, honor your mother or father. They're thinking he's going to say, have no other gods before me. And, and Jesus, just as only Jesus could do, answers in a way they did not expect and said, here is the essence of the law. You ready? Here's the most important part, love. Now, they're asking him the question without love. And he says, here is the essence of the law, love. Most people think of the Ten Commandments as something that is hard and difficult and God is harsh and God really, you know, wants to keep us from having fun. And it's no, no, the essence of the law is love, just like a parent that that will tell their child, hey, listen, you know what? I don't care if everybody else plays on the freeway. You're not. Whether you like it or not, because I'm doing it not because I'm being harsh or, 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 or you know, unreasonable, but I'm doing it because I love you. And, and young people, as they get older, though they may push and, you know, people, we all need boundaries. Our, our, our young people need boundaries because within the context of boundaries, there is safety and love. Children without boundaries don't know love. Oh, they may fight the whole way, but as they get older, they recognize. So it's love. That's the essence of the law. Boy, they were not expecting that. And then he breaks it down further and says, you know what? You're to love with all of your heart. Um, The ancient Hebrews used that word heart to refer to the core of one's essence. The book of Proverbs says in Proverbs 4.23, you might know this, uh, keep your heart or guard your heart with all diligence, for from its spring uh, flow the springs of life. So you're to love God with all of your heart, all your heart, 
the very essence of who you are. The soul is the closest thing that we would call to, the, to, the, to our emotions, the seed of our emotions. You might remember when Jesus was uh, arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane just before that in Matthew 26. He says to them, my soul is very sorrowful. You know, that's the, that's the essence of our emotions. Even to death, remain here and watch with me, he says. So he says, love, love God with everything you have, with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You understand that when you become a Christian, you don't check your brain in at the door. You know, well, you know, like there are people who say that, you know, no, I believe in science rather than the Bible. And what makes you think the Bible isn't scientific? I mean, the greatest scientists that ever lived were folks who followed the precepts of the Word of God. Oh, yes. Okay? So with all of your mind, with all of your strength, love God with everything, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's everything. That's all all you got. (laughs) Everything that you are. Love God like that. And then he says, and the second is just like it. So love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and just like it, love others as you love yourself. Man, the Ten Commandments were easier (laughs) than this. So what does he do? Once again, he raises it to a whole nother level, to the essence of the law, the greatest commandment, right? That's one of our core scriptures. That's why living grace, love, okay? Um, <clears throat> then he goes on and says in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20, And this is sort of the last commandment that God gave. Sort of his last commandment because his commands continue on as he speaks to us individually. Um, Understand that when, when Jesus ascended to heaven and gave the disciples their marching orders, those same marching orders apply to us. And there is no plan B. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's, there's nothing, there's, there's, there's not some other way that, God is going to accomplish his will on earth than what he told his disciples. There's no backup plan. There's no, well, let's put it in the hands of the church, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then, and then um, but, but hey, if that doesn't work, we're going we're gonna to do it this way. No, <laughs> that's it. This is it. This is the only plan that he has. And it, w- it will be accomplished. And so our second sort of theme scripture is that the Lord will work through his church to accomplish his plan for the ages. And there will be a time when the church will be taken out of the way, when the church will be raptured and, 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 and the Holy Spirit will, in a sense, be removed from the way that the Holy Spirit is moving in the world today in the, in the end times. And, of course, the Antichrist will be, uh, will be un- unveiled and, and literally all hell will break loose. But, but for now... Look at the person next to you and say, you're his instrument. Right now, do that. You're his instrument. You are. You are. You're, the, you're God's plan. And it says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, says, Jesus speaking, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay? And the accompanying scripture, if we could say that, is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Marching orders, all right? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, and this is where, in Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, or the outermost parts of the earth. That's the plan. Now, you understand that the disciples were really, really slow in getting out of Jerusalem, because everybody loves a party. And especially if it's in your neighborhood, right? And Jerusalem was a party. The Holy Spirit came down. There's miracles happening. People are getting born again. It's, there's thousands coming to Christ. Why would we ever go any further than Jerusalem? And the, the truth of the matter is, is if, is if this, this, this movement, this thing called Christianity would have stayed in Jerusalem, it would have died in Jerusalem. But they forgot that the Lord said to the Judea, and Samaria, and worse, the outermost parts of the earth. That was the plan. By the way, you're a fulfillment of that scripture. Because when Jesus said that, guess we are in the outermost parts of the earth. Isn't that cool? That's a fulfillment. You're a fulfillment of of Jesus' prophetic word. And so, all authority, Jesus says, all authority, all of it. All authority, all all of it, every bit of it. Authority, all of it, has been given to him. Then he says, therefore go. Because all authority has been given to him, go. Therefore go. And as you go, make disciples of all nations. Make learners. And the emphasis in the structure of this sentence isn't in going, because the going is assumed. The emphasis is in the making of disciples. It's easy to go. It's fun to go. It is a nice thing to go. But that's not where the work is. The work is, is in the making of disciples, right? That's where you roll up your sleeves and you get involved in the lives of others when you make disciples. So all authority in heaven and on earth, it's all his. Therefore, go, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey all his commands. And he throws this in, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So these two scriptures of the great commandment, which is love, because if the motivation for anything we do isn't love, then it's not Christ-like. And I, don't know about you, I've been guilty of trying to do some things for Christ without love. Maybe I just wanted to win an argument. Maybe I just wanted to prove that Jesus was, was, was truly the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, 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 but I didn't do it in love. You know, there's a difference. When you try to reach someone, there's a difference when you try to reach them 
uh, for the sake of reaching them and you reach them in love. And guess what? They know that difference too. I'm not sure how well or if you can reach anybody if you don't reach them without love. Even Paul the Apostle said, if there's no love, we're what? Boom, we're just a clanging gong. Just nothing, nothing without love, right? Okay, all right. So the great commandment, love, the great commission, go and make disciples. There's the foundation of, of, of why living grace right there. Those two things, okay? All right, now moving on. Our purpose, what is the point? What is the point? Why do we do, why? Why are you here this morning? You could have slept in. You could have went out to Red Rock. Oh, I'm driving to church this morning, and I see about 20 bike riders. And I'm like, oh, oh, dude, this is bike season in Las Vegas. Get those tires pumped up, grease your chain, and get on your bike for it, crying out loud. Do it. This is awesome. Pretty soon it'll be too hot to, to ride. You can ride if you want to, but you might melt and become part of the pavement. Oh, why? What's our point? What's our purpose? Let me give it to you in a, in a sentence. All right, one sentence. Leading people into authentic, growing relationships with Jesus Christ. That's it. That's, what, that's it. That's the bullseye for us. Boom. That's, that's it. Leading people into authentic, growing relationships with Jesus Christ. So let me break down just a couple of those words. Okay? The components of leadership, leading people, leading all of us together, growing in authentic relationship, leading biblical leadership. Let's follow the example of Jesus. How does one lead? How do we lead? Well, we lead by being servants. The term servant, even, even those outside of Christianity are seeing the value in what's called servant leadership. Why? Because when you're willing to serve others, people will know that you care about them. And when people know that you care about them, they're more willing to follow those things you say without doing it grudgingly, right? Servant leadership. Okay. All right. So that was the example of Jesus. Remember John chapter 13, the disciples are having an argument. We call it the last supper, uh, having an argument about who's greatest in the kingdom of God. And, and, and while that's going on, Jesus very quietly just sort of slips off to the side, takes off his outer garment and does this, washes their feet. John 13, 12 says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Uh, do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Servant leader. Jesus came not to be served, but to, that's the example. You know, I was thinking about this particular group of people that I'm trying to reach with the gospel, okay, here and, and, and abroad. And, 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 and I was just thinking, man, Lord, it's impossible to reach these people. It's impossible. I, I, don't, I don't even, I mean, without, and I'm thinking, man, I argue, if I, if I allow myself 
it'll just end up in an argument every time. And I don't even like that kind of confrontation. And you know what? I felt like God's spirit spoke to me and said, you've got to care about what they care about if you want to reach them. Hmm. You've got to care about what they care about if you want to reach them. And I thought, wow, okay. See, that's servant leadership. That's willing to say, hey, hey, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm involved in this cause too, right? Interesting. Servant leadership. Submission is a word that's involved in that. Jesus was submitted to the will of the Father. Leadership is servanthood, but it's also submission. Matthew 26, Jesus went then to the olive grove called Gethsemane and said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter the, and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. Verse 38, he told him, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me yet. What does he say? Let's read it together. I want your will to be done, not mine. Do you understand that Jesus was completely submitted to the will of the Father? Completely. There are people who say, how can Jesus be God if he was submitted to the will of the Father? Well, he's one with God in essence but he is submitted to him in function. God the Father didn't die on the cross. Jesus did, but they are still one in essence. So submission, biblical leadership is servant leadership. It's also submission. It's also Holy Spirit led. It's kind of one of our core values, something that we really, really want to be. We want to be led by the Spirit. Jesus was, in uh, Matthew chapter 4, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Who led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? Jesus said, pray, lead us not into temptation. Okay? Jesus was led into the spirit, into the desert by the spirit to be tempted. Wow, that was part of the plan of being submitted to the Father. Okay? So, <clears throat> Leading people. Okay, people, here you are. And on Easter, there'll be about another hundred or so who'll show up. You know what I heard? There's a term. No, no glad to have. Love you. I mean, if you're, if you're one of these folks, I'm not trying to point you out or anything like that. But there's a term for them, CEOs. I never heard that. Christmas and Easter only. I thought it was funny when I heard another pastor say it. Maybe that's kind of like a pastor's joke, you know, I don't know. Uh, but people, people, you know, we have a membership class. Why? So that we can determine who we can count on. Uh, these are the people that, that, that on March the 6th are going to vote in the new, new, new council members. These are people that, that when that time comes that, that we, we get our building are going to vote to say, yes, we agree, we're, we're, we're all in. That, that's who we can count on, people. Uh, and we're doing some things to kind of determine exactly when we say people, who are we talking about? Well, it's, it's, it's you guys, but there are others as well. Demographics, who are we trying to reach? Who is it that God's called us to reach? Okay, people. 
Yeah, anyone who enters the door, yeah. But it's also anyone that you connect with, anyone that's a part of your realm of influence, leading people into. That speaks of movement. It speaks of action. We're headed in a direction. You know, the church is very organic. People say, how's church going? I get that question all the time. I go, well, you know, right when you, you think you got something dialed in, it just shifts, and you go, okay, woo. You know, it's just, it's just, it's not this organization, it's this organism. And it's just constantly flexing and flowing and moving. And, and it's an amazing, amazing thing. Um, and, and even sometimes things are static. Things are, 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 are happening a certain way. And, and even in that, the Holy Spirit is behind that, you know. Uh, we, we stay put sometimes, and as we stay put, the God's Spirit is still moving, even in that. Remember how Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness? Uh, Paul the Apostle spent th seemingly three years in Arabia before he began his ministry. Some would call that maybe a wilderness experience, yeah? Uh, but guess what? It wasn't that. God, even when you're in a place where you might think you're stuck, God is still moving in that because there's relationship. And sometimes you're moving out, and sometimes you are where you are. I know you think, Lord, get me out of here. No, 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 not yet. You know, Gail McWilliams in her book, Are You Stuck or Are You Positioned? For those of you who were here to hear her speak at the ladies' Christmas party. Even with the Lord, a time that seems like a standstill is a time of movement. Interesting. Why? Because it's organic. Leading people into. Okay? I just think it's not okay where we are. It's not all right. I just think in, the, in, in, in Christ, you can just never, ever be satisfied. We're satisfied in Him. We're complete in Him, Colossians says. We understand that. But 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 in this in this movement of we just can never ever be satisfied. Like I'm not satisfied with with how we're making disciples. I'm just not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not satisfied with my own level of discipleship. I'm just not. I'm just not. I'm not. I'm not satisfied with our gift development. Like like you like you know the budget suites outreach. It's you know we can, we're not going to be able to pull this off without fifty or sixty uh, uh, of y'all helping us out. There's no way. And not everybody does the same thing. There's some people who stand at the bounce house and make sure the little kids, uh, uh, big kids don't try to sneak in with the little kids and make sure that kids don't try to see, I wonder if I can actually fly through that net. No, you can't, young man. And by the way, get out, okay? You know, that's a particular kind of gift. It's going to be someone else who's going to be, you know, flipping uh, hot dogs or hamburgers, hot dogs probably. It's, it's going to be someone else who'll be, who'll be taking, you know, uh, uh, the little plastic uh, uh, Easter eggs and stuffing them and hiding them all around the facility. It's going to be someone else who's going to be at the prayer table and saying free prayer. It's going to be someone else who'll be sitting at the counseling table and say free counseling. You know, I mean, that's, that's the body of Christ and that's, that's our gift development. And you know, I'm just not satisfied where we are as a church in our gift development. I'm just not. I'm just not. I just think there's a whole, a whole bunch more we can do with, with the gifts and talents God's given us. I just believe that. You know, I'm not satisfied with the number of small groups we have. We have some small groups that, that, we, that, are, that, are, that are rocking and rolling and have been for a long time. We have some that, 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 are, that are beginning and moving and they're not even on our, on our charts. It's like, man, wait a second. We need to join in with y'all. We, we, just, we just need more. 
And there are people who have the ability to host, and there are people who have the ability to teach and share in those. And you know what? We need you because we need more of that sort of thing. It's kind of a core of who we are. I'm not satisfied with where we are with world missions. We have so much more to do. And we're going to take a missions offering at the end of our service today. But there's just more. You know what? I, I, this is nice right here. This is cool. I mean, you know, we got the screens and the we got we have favor here at this school. But I'm not satisfied being here. I mean, this is you know it's, it's cool and it's great. But this is not our home. This is like a rest stop. This is a place you go and you hang out for a little bit, stretch your legs, then you get going. And, and we want to get going in, in context with where God's leading us and according to our values and our gifts and all of that. But I'm just not satisfied. I'm not. I mean, we, praise the Lord for second service dudes who, you know, take all the chairs and put pull, pull them in the, in the deal. And, and that's cool. And, you know, they get a workout and we give them a high five. And, but uh, just not satisfied with it. Just not. Just not. And so, so hey, you know, into, leading people into. Uh, that's, uh, th- th- we have to have a plan to, to get there, we have to say, okay, here's what we're leading into. And, and, and we are developing a strategic plan that leads all of that stuff out. God's Spirit's been leading us and confirming it. We're going to talk more about that on March the 6th. We've got to be going somewhere. Okay, let's go. Where are we going? I don't know. Let's just go. Okay. Like when I was a youth pastor, that was my philosophy. Yeah. Let's go. Where are we going? I don't know. Let's just go. <laughs> right? Like, okay, man, we got, like, you know, need a little more administration there, bub. You know, no, we don't need Anyway, you know, God blessed it, but, hey, clear direction. Leading people into authentic relationships with Jesus. Wow. An authentic relationship with Jesus. That is hard to measure. Good days and bad days. Some days I'm pretty authentic in my relationship with the Lord. Some days not so much. Darn it. Authentic. And it doesn't, it's not based on, first and foremost, on what I do. It's based on who he is. I can't be authentic without him. I can't be. Oh, I can, I can try to pray more. I can try to read my Bible more. I can try, I can try, I can try. I think I can, I think I can. Uh, but, that, but then you run into this point where you're doing it on your own strength. And if I'm going to be authentic, then I got to be real. And I got to say, first of all, Lord, I can't do any of this without you. I can't be authentic. I can't be an authentic Christian. I can't without you leading me and guiding me. I, I got to be transparent. I got to be real, you know. How you doing today? Everything's wonderful. Is it really? Well, no. <laughs> you know, it can be authentic. I don't know why it's so difficult for us in the body of Christ to be authentic and just kind of be real. I don't know. It's like we have to be a certain thing in the eyes of other people when we're not always that. Right? That doesn't mean you can run around being obnoxious all the time, you know. That's just how I am. Oh, man, no, no. But it means authenticity. Personal, that's personal, that's interactive. Um, it, it, it applies to every aspect of my life. Authentic relationship with Jesus, growing relationship with Jesus. Authentic, growing relationships. Growing, that's hard to measure too. 
Because, see, I can look like I'm growing on the outside, but I'm not growing on the inside because my motivation is wrong. Authentic growing relationship, increasing in my love for Christ and my knowledge of Christ. Seeing others that should see that growth by my increased likeness to Christ. Others seeing that. Authentic, growing relationship. Growing, growing, growing. You know what that means? An authentic, growing relationship means I'm changing. I'm changing. I'm changing. I'm changing. Even if it's incremental, even if it's small, I'm changing. I'm not the same. I'm, I'm looking more and more like Jesus every day. I didn't say perfect, <laughs> but I'm changing. That's, that's the measure. I'm changing, right? It, uh, uh, the author of the book of Hebrews is speaking to, to, to the people about changing and, and, and about where, where they need to be, but where they are. They're kind of stuck. And this is what he says. He says, so, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. I love the New Living Translation. Man, we still going over that? Man, we go, wait, let me get this straight. We got to talk about this again? Man, how many times have we talked to you about this? He goes, let's stop going over the basics, right? He goes, let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. <laughs> Isn't that great? No. Think about this list that he talked to them about. He goes, he calls these basic things. Look, look, look at the list. Repenting from evil deeds, placing our faith in God, um, baptism, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. I'm like, man, that's a pretty heady list right there, actually, right? He goes, man, those are, move on. Why? Because I'm growing, and I'm growing in the Word, and I'm growing in my studying of, of God's Word. I'm, I'm being discipled, and then I'm discipling others. Ah, I'm being discipled, and I'm discipling, I'm multiplying myself. Oh, that is one sure way to kind of gauge if you're, are you multiplying yourself? Are you serving in your giftedness? Are you attending a fellowship group, a light group, men's group, ladies' group? No? Why not? Are you mutually accountable to another person? I don't want nobody in my business. How many of you know that the days of not having anybody in your business are over? You better have somebody in your business. I don't care who you are. Huh. People don't think I, have no, I don't have anybody in my business because I don't need it. Are you crazy? You better believe I got people all up in my stuff. I got people who look at me sideways. Man, what's wrong with you? Okay, okay. You know, really, right? You're growing. Um, you're mutually accountable. You're growing in the spiritual disciplines. Various levels of growth, you know, like in my garden, we have broccoli. I'll just say that this heat has not been good for my broccoli. It, it grew so well, and, and then the heat came, and it's like, flowers. I'm like, ah. 
I haven't been out there like I should. Or, or like my Swiss chard. I was going to take pictures, but I didn't. My Swiss chard is, is, is it's all like, because you know, it made it through the winter, so a whole bl- bunch of it is real crusty looking on the outside. But, but oh, the new leaves on the inside. Yes, I need to get out there and hack away all that old stuff, fertilizer. Uh-huh, y'all be coming over for some Swiss chard any minute now. Mm-hmm. You don't know what that is? Just say greens. Everybody say greens. Uh, peppers are just toast. <laughs> I need to pull them out because they don't make it through the winter anyway. Now, you can. There's something. But anyway, there are various levels of growth, Okay. Growing, authentic, authentic. That's our goal. That's our goal for ourselves. That's our goal for ourselves. And you know what? That's our goal for you too. And here's, here's, here's the scripture that sort of says, here's the target. I mean, here's, here's the bullseye, all right? It's in Ephesians um, chapter, I want to say chapter 4. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says this. Paul the Apostle, speaking to the church at Ephesus, Amplified Bible first says, And his gifts to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some as apostles, special messengers and representatives, some as prophets who speak a new message from God to the people, some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation, and some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, for works of service to build up the body of Christ, the church, until we all reach oneness in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, that is, growing spiritually, to become, everybody say it, mature, a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. How cool is that? If we can do that together, together, young and old, we will have accomplished our task. The the New Living Translation says it this way. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That is, we will rise up to that place where Christ would have us be, where he would come back for that church that is spotless, that bride that is spotless and pure, and that is active and busy, and first and foremost, loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving others. Folks, we cannot do it without the Spirit of the Lord working through us. We cannot do it. We cannot do it. We are not talking about some legalistic, do this, don't do that, can't you read the sign? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about doing it as we're led by God's Spirit and doing it together. Because if you've got gifts and talents and skills that have been deposited 
by the Holy Spirit. If you've got a phone that's ringing right now, <laughs> crying out loud, if you've, and, and you're not operating in that gift, then we all suffer. We all are lacking something. You know when you invite somebody over, family, maybe it's Christmas or it's Thanksgiving, and you invite family over and someone doesn't show up. I know what you're thinking. Hey, praise the Lord. No, I'm thinking, I mean, you know, someone that should, it's like, man, so-and-so is not here. You miss that. You know, when a parent passes away and you have that first Thanksgiving or Christmas and they're not there, you you get it now. You're like, oh, man, that's what it's like. Maybe not to that degree. You know what I'm saying? So that's it. There it is. That's our goal. That's our point. We're going to hear more about this next week. Another core value of, of, of doing life together and then on March the uh, 6th, we're going to kind of tie it all together. And um, we're going to talk about your part and your role specifically. Okay, so uh, l- let, me <clears throat> let, me, let me have the ushers uh, come forward. And we're going we're gonna to take a missions offering. But I, I want to also pray something after that as well. Um, <clears throat> missions offering and, um, um, you know, we give to uh, uh, multiple missionaries we give to uh, Joshua and Stacy Statham in, in Colorado Springs who are who are trying to raise up a generation of people to to follow Christ um, we give to Stacy Hayes in China who is taking in now women and children off off the streets and I think they're still in the midst of Chinese New Year everything pretty much shuts down in, in China during Chinese New Year except businesses but maybe a lot of those do too and um, and we give to a ministry, uh, a four-square ministry that uh, is taking in refugees in northern Turkey, uh, as they are pouring in, and and being the hands and feet of Jesus uh, in in that region. Um, and so, this is when you give, that's where that goes. Okay. And so, I wanna uh, I wanna pray for that. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just um we just ask you to take these finances and multiply them for the furtherance of your kingdom and uh lord that you would be honored in our giving and that um uh that these these folks who are serving uh in various capacities would 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 feel your love and and know that they're cared about and and lord we're praying for them even as we take this offering that lord you would uh provide all of their needs and that you would help them during those times when they are incredibly frustrated and maybe even during those times when they think, man, what is the point of this? That, Lord, they would continually remember uh, that your grace is sufficient and that you are there with them and they're not alone, even when sometimes I know they might feel like it. In Jesus' name, amen.